The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. It's a third Champions League final in five years for Liverpool and, of course, a battle of European royalty. Liverpool against Real Madrid in Paris. The All-Reds against the All-Whites again. Sounds pretty romantic, but how will it unfold? We'll look at that. Mo's pledged to be at Anfield for the next campaign and James's exclusive chat with Tom Werner as well. I'm Steve Othersall. Welcome to a special Champions League final red agenda with James Pearce and Oli Kay as well. And um, James, a lot of people believing that Liverpool are favourites for this final, but how do you see it? Yeah, slight favourites, I'd say. I think just Real Madrid's sheer amount of big game experience and the winners they've got running through their their squad means that you'd be pretty stupid to to go into this thinking it was it was going to be a walk in the park the biggest difference for me obviously from when the two teams last met in the Champions League final 4 years ago is that i think back then you know you you kind of thought well Liverpool were the real underdogs and it's it's a mark of just how far they've come in that intervening period, that fact, you know, I think you you probably look at them as not just equals, but probably better than Real Madrid in terms of what they've produced consistently in the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, certainly Liverpool have got you know plenty of big game experience as well. I've always been pretty confident since we knew that these this was going to be Liverpool's opponent in the final because I do I do think if Liverpool play to their capabilities, they will have too much uh, firepower, too much legs, too much energy for Real Madrid. Yet, you know, any team that's that's knocked out PSG, Chelsea and Man City en route to the final and produced the kind of heroic salvage acts that Ancelotti's side are, you'd be stupid to write them off. It's pretty undeniable, Ollie, that Liverpool deserve their place in this showpiece final for the way they, they navigated the group stage, the group of death apparently, and the teams they've beaten subsequently to get to this point. Yeah, I, I think if you if you look at the the previous few rounds and and, and playing Benfica and Villarreal, it, it probably doesn't look like the toughest route to the Champions League final on paper in terms of the later knockout stages. But you look at look at the group they had, a, a group that really had people people like me thinking, "Oh, that's you know that's a tough group." That they won every game impressively, you know they breezed through the last sixteen. And you would often look at the Champions League and and say you don't very often get the two best teams in Europe. In the final, it very rarely happens that way. You looked at you know Real Madrid and Barcelona at one stage being, you know, head and shoulders above every every other other team in Europe. They never got to play a final against each other. I would say the best two teams over the last four years in Europe have been Liverpool and Manchester City, particularly this season. Maybe not for a brief spell, both of them the previous season, but but um, but certainly this season, I think they've been clearly the best teams in Europe. City were so close to making it and, and, and fell narrowly short. Liverpool are, are there and you know they're up against the Real Madrid team who have shown before, I think, that even when they've not been the best team in Europe, I don't think they were the best team in Europe when they won it in 2018 against Liverpool, but they've shown they have a knack of, of, of winning these big European games, big European finals. And I mean, James is saying it's close to call. I would totally agree with that. I'm, I'm looking at various statistical models and data models which... Just judge on results over the last 12 months or so. They all tell you that Liverpool are favourites, but I think it's really tight because Real Madrid just seem to have this sort of X factor which which um, takes them to a higher level in the Champions League. 
I use that word romantic at the top of the podcast. There is something really romantic about all this, James, isn't there? Not least if you go back in the history books to 81 and Phil Thompson lifting the cup for a third time for Liverpool, but maybe even come more present day. And as, as you said, the battle in Kiev, there's so many narratives that go around these two who are European giants. <laughs> yeah, there really are. Yeah, you're right. You know, obviously plenty of memories of of Paris in, in 81 and all the, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the stories from, from that final that, you know, have entered folklore. I heard Phil Thompson saying the other day that, you know, he's, He's desperately hoping that Andy Robertson can pop up with the winner on Saturday night, just to just to silence Alan Kennedy, so he can he can stop dining out on all the uh, his tales from from eighty one. And um, I think you know you're right when you throw into the mix Kiev, and you know, I was at Kirby yesterday for the media day, and uh, Mo Salah not backing down on his on his talk of the revenge mission. You know that still burns very much brightly inside him, despite the fact that Sergio Ramos won't be anywhere near that pitch on on Saturday night so you know you've got that element to it and then you know you've also got you know Carlo Ancelotti and and of course you know his history with Liverpool as well which was brought into sharp focus by the the anniversary of of Istanbul this week so um yeah it's it's just set up to be you know a, a fantastic occasion you know and I, and I think if if we probably learn anything from not just the two finals that Liverpool have been involved in this season, but pretty much everyone in the modern era. You know, if they do find a way, then they're probably going to put us through the ringer in in doing so. Because um, yeah, it's it's very rarely ever straightforward. And I, and I think the way that you know Real Madrid, the way in which they've they've come back so many times when you thought they might be on their way out, suggests that um, yeah, it, it's probably going to be one of those that kind of goes one way and the other and. And it and it's going to be decided in the end by pretty fine margins. So, so the manager's mantra is revenge doesn't exist. Mo very much sticking to his guns, as James mentioned, saying it, you know it, he's pretty much motivated by revenge. And the interview after the Villarreal game was when he when he first aired that very publicly, then put it on his social media. Ollie certainly not backed away from any of this. Is revenge a good way to term it? Is payback? There must, there's obviously something in these players' heads. Yeah, I mean, I think. Particularly for Mo Salah, I mean, I, I know, I know from speaking to various Liverpool players over over the years that post twenty eighteen, I think they felt that they avenged or atoned for that defeat by winning the Champions League the next season. I don't think there was any, much that was sort of personal felt towards um, Real Madrid. I think they just felt that 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 they were back in Kiev in twenty eighteen. They were a team that hadn't really reached its full potential. They obviously had didn't have um, Fabinho and Van Dijk and Allison. And obviously, they you know they won it the next year. I think that sort of exercised that ghost for a lot of the players, and and probably for the team as a whole, and for Klopp. But um, Mo Salah still has this um, understandable grievance about uh, about Kiev and about Sergio Ramos, and he's remarkably unfiltered, isn't he? Considering you know he he's he's one of the biggest superstars in world football. He's he's got a big a big personal brand. He's just he just talks openly. You know he'll talk openly about how much he he wants to win the golden boot or the ballon d'or or he'll talk openly about how yeah things aren't quite there with his contract or in this case um you know wanting revenge or score to settle with real madrid and it's um it's quite refreshing to have a player speaking that openly um but yeah he he, he was i mean he was in the form of his life 
back in in 2018 and and seemed he started that game brilliantly as as they all did and then the injury inflicted by Ramos just changed the game completely Lalana came on and wasn't the same sort of player and events and, and mistakes conspired against Liverpool and um yeah I feel Liverpool have atoned for that avenged that and in terms of this team they're probably more determined to put right what happened last season in in the Champions League when they played Real at a time when you know confidence was really low when they were in that real malaise between sort of January and April last season and um, they didn't do themselves justice in the, in those two legs they will feel that Real are going to face a much much better team this time which is undoubtedly the case there's a piece by Nick Miller on the Athletic uh, right now talking about Mo Salah James and and he says he looked at a photo of himself in a sling before the final against Tottenham to give himself motivation you you um you saw him at the press day, you say. Well, what did you make of how the mindset he's in and how he's building up to this final? <laughs> uh, incredibly relaxed and incredibly confident. There's certainly no no sign of of any nerves ahead of such a big occasion. Yeah, I think I think the standout line was he, he was asked. You know, he was he was actually reminded about the Champions League final in 1981 and the fact that there was this unlikely hero. And someone asked him, you know. Who do, you, who do you think who you know who could be the unlikely hero for Liverpool on Saturday night? And he just said, "Well, hopefully it's me." He said, you know, "I want I want to score the winning goal." And I think you know that is that's very much his his mindset. And you know, Jordan Henderson sat alongside him, kind of made a bit of a joke about Salah's revenge comments and said, "No, you didn't mean it, did you, Mo? You know, it, it came out wrong, didn't it?" And, and and Salah was just grinning alongside him, as if to say, "No, no, no, I meant I meant every word of it." So. Um, yeah, you know, he talked about the, the you know the pain of that night, and obviously at the time Liverpool just getting to a Champions League final felt absolutely huge um, because it had been been so long, and they did see, exceeded all expectations. So, yeah, to be to be taken out of the game in the way he was by Sergio Ramos because it was you know, despite all the debate that went on afterwards, it was about as cynical as you could possibly get. The way that he he wrapped his arm around him and dragged him to the ground, he knew exactly what he was doing, just like. He knew exactly what he was doing when he he planted that elbow on Loris Carius's head. You know how much difference, how much impact that then made to the goals Carius conceded. We'll never truly know, but um, yeah, certainly from from Salah's perspective, it's funny, isn't it? The thing with revenge, because you know even you know Klopp said himself he doesn't believe in that, and he he talked about the German. He said in Germany we 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 have a saying that basically translates as you always meet twice. You know, of of course, I remember Kiev, but it's it's not what motivates me going into this game. And I think the reality is that none of those players will need any extra motivation come Saturday night. And I think, if anything, from the ones who stopped and chatted yesterday, you know, even the ones that were around back in in Kiev in twenty eighteen, the the much bigger motivation is is ensuring they finish this incredible season with the biggest prize of the lot because. You know, missing out on the Premier League title by the most narrow margins last weekend cut deep, and it was it was really interesting that Klopp gave them all two days off straight afterwards because you know with a I think a lot of managers with such a quick turnaround before the Champions League final would have would have had them in the following morning and thought right we need to make every one of these days this week count with just you know six days between the last Premier League game and the Champions League final but Klopp wanted you know them to have a couple of days not just to rest weary limbs but I think to clear their heads as well and it was it was only Wednesday morning at Kirby that they um they reconvened you know they were able to do their recovery sessions at home on the 
on the Monday and then you know treating the final as well like a normal European trip not flying out till Friday morning and I think that's the message really from Klopp that you know we don't try and not do anything differently you know these Liverpool have you know, have been immense on their travels in Europe this season when you think you know they, well, they won every group game didn't they you know they won in the San Siro produced a brilliant performance away to Benfica yes it was pretty hairy for 45 minutes away to Villarreal but you know, they, they turned it around, they found a way in that second half to win that game. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was you know, really interesting the way that Klopp has approached this final. One of the biggest factors could be, as you're really saying there, James, it's experience, isn't it, Ollie? And actually, the, the majority of these players now were involved in that Champions League win against Spurs. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember writing my report after the Kiev final and talking about how inexperienced the Liverpool players were in Champions League terms next to those um, Real Madrid players. And and if you, you look at it four years later, and people like Henderson and Van Dijk and Salah Mane, um, etc., you know, Alisson are, are really proven Champions League players. And you also look at it from the other point of view, and Ronaldo's moved on, and Ramos has moved on, Varane has moved on, Kayla Navas has moved on. You've got players like you know, Cruz and Modric, who are really very much in the twilight of their career. And it feels like Liverpool are, you know, so much more experienced as a Champions League team. And I guess you look at some of the youngest, you know, younger players in, in Real's squad, and they really are very inexperienced. You know, Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo, etc. It, it, it's, you know, Valverde to an extent. It feels like as those two teams have gone on different cycles or, or reached different points of their cycles, um, you know, Liverpool possibly in some ways could be said to, to have the upper hand in terms of experience. So when people are talking about the the experience and know-how that Real have, yes, with Carvajal, with Kroos, with Modric, Benzema, etc. But it's a strange one because, I, you know, look, watching Real in those, that quarterfinal against Chelsea, that semi-final against Man City, yes, there were moments where that sort of experience and big game know-how came through from those players. But there are also moments where Real didn't really look like a, a particularly savvy streetwise Champions League team. I thought their second leg performance against Chelsea was horrendous for about 80 minutes. Um, they were capitulating. And I think sometimes we we just sort of look at look at the scoreline and, and work backwards when we're trying to sort of explain what, what's happened in a match. You know, it's, Real held firm, so we, so we were all saying, oh, it's because of their, their know-how and experience. And you know, realistically, Man- Chelsea should have beaten them over you know, in that second leg. Manchester City should certainly have put them out of sight on the balance of play in the, in, in the two legs. So I think there's, you know, the, the, there is that know-how amongst the big players and there's the real quality, you know, stellar highest quality that, that that some of the younger players possess at Real. But I think between there, that there are potentially cracks and there are areas where Liverpool do have more experience and more know-how and more possibly cohesion and coherence as a team. So it, it's it's an intriguing matchup. Whereas four years ago, I really did just think Real would would win comfortably because they were a better team. I, I think it's I think it's very different now. And one of those areas it is Liverpool's midfield. And obviously there's such quality in both sides that you sort of think taking one player out shouldn't really affect everything. But the, the question mark against Thiago, I think, left a lot of Liverpool fans thinking, oh no, how, do, how does that readdress the balance? We talked about it in the last podcast, James. Um, there was a glimmer of hope in the press conference yesterday that Thiago and Fabinho 
could start this game together. Is that right? Yeah, well, I think Fabino will start as long as as long as there's no adverse reaction in the next day or two. He he trained normally at um, at Kirby on Wednesday. Looked sharp in all the drills they were doing. So you know that that's always been the plan for him. And there's certainly no no sense of him being rushed back. So yeah, I think you know it's it's Fabino, it's Henderson, and then Thiago's due to resume full training at, at Kirby today, Thursday. So. Um, the signs are a lot more promising than they were at the start of the week when we recorded the last podcast. Because of course, then you know he was off for a scan on his Achilles, and you thought, well, any type of damage really, and he's just not going to have sufficient time to recover. But he was he was there at Kirby yesterday doing a session in the gym with head physio Lee Nobes, and yeah, Klopp said it is a lot more positive than than they initially feared, and. Yeah, I just think seeing Thiago on that team sheet on Saturday night would just give everyone a huge lift. And I think also, you know, I, th- I think it's what it what it does to Real Madrid as well, because he is an absolutely, you know, elite, world-class performer. And and you want, he's someone you want in that team, especially, you know, that, that, that midfield area with, what well, would it probably be, you know, Casemiro and Cruz and Modric, you know, it's, you just want Thiago in there. I mean, we're talking about someone who, you know, in the few months before he joined Liverpool, was was the best player in the Champions League final when when Bayern Munich won it. And, and I also think even with with the five subs rule in in Europe as well, I just think even if there's a slight kind of concern, I think it's such a big game, and he is so influential, and he's been so good for the last probably three or four months that I think I think you need to take a punt on him because I think I think do you know what. Even if he can't last ninety minutes, you know, having that five subs means that you can change it. And whether you turn to Naby Keita or James Milner, you know, obviously he's got Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott as well. I think I just think you you need Thiago out there from the start. Imagine the scenario: a much loved and inspirational leader has announced his intention to take a career break, and you need to find someone just as tactically astute and charismatic, but perhaps without the glasses and the teeth. Well, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They've even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk. W-L-K to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We know what Liverpool have got with their firepower. The numbers are incredible. The options are amazing. But let's face it, Real Madrid have got their own star man in Karim Benzema, Ollie. Um And Vinicius also a massive threat for them as well. I think between the two of them, they're in triple figures, aren't they, for, for assists and, and goals. How do you stop Benzema and Vinicius Jr.? Benzema, I think, I think you know, a large part of it is, is, is about supply. And I think a lot of the supply comes from... Um, from Vinicius Junior, who who is as talented a, a wide player as that you know as there is in world football at the moment, he's 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 fantastic. He's a lot, he's he's young, but he's you know an elite performer. I think when we look back on that game that um, 
where Real played Liverpool at the um, in the was it quarter final first leg last season. Uh, he was the he was the player who who really did a lot of the damage, and he gave Trent a bit a, a bit of a runaround um, on the night. I think it was, it was one of those rare games that that Trent's critics can can cling to and say, look, look, you know, look, look, he is a bad defender because he did have a bad night, and and I don't think he will, I don't think he will particularly enjoy coming up against um, Vinicius. But yeah, it, it's a difficult game, and but then Benzema. This see, I mean, it it feels like it just sometimes happens with these with these elite level sort of players in in Spain or in Italy, where it takes one sort of great season where they really really stand out for people in England in particular to say, oh yeah, oh that oh that, oh, that guy is actually pretty good. He scored something like three hundred and twenty three goals for Real Madrid since he went there as a as a young player in two thousand and nine. He scored 44 goals in all competitions this season. I think it's fair to say he has thrived more on an individual level since Ronaldo left and and since the the dynamic of the team changed. And uh, but he has always been a you know a top absolute elite level player, uh, even from when he was breaking through at Lyon. And if he's now in the form of his life at 33 or whatever it is, it's only confirming what. I think has been pretty apparent for a long, long time. But he, stopping him is very difficult because of the quality he has. But I think if you if you can keep Vinicius quiet, which isn't just a a one man job for Trent, it, it probably comes down to Jordan Henderson and whoever else is sort of covering on that right hand side. Yeah, I, I think that I think that would certainly help. Madrid wrapped up their title what a couple of weeks ago. They've had time. They've had preparation time. James hasn't they? Haven't they? A little, little bit of rest. Mental break, perhaps Ancelotti's geared it all towards the final. Liverpool, let's face it, it's been long, intense, and only a couple of days ago they were they were still in that melee of trying to win the the Premier League title. Is it fine for Liverpool to go from that into this? Are they suffering any any way with fatigue? I think it's difficult. It's difficult to judge. I think from from the outside how that dynamic will. Or play out on Saturday night. You, know, you look at it and you think it probably is an advantage to Real Madrid. I think I think it does it, it does help them the fact that you know three weeks ago wasn't it they won La Liga. Um, Ancelotti has been able to to give players a breather since then, and then you know I think most of his first choice team played last weekend. I think I think it's probably more the mental side of things as well. You know when when Liverpool have had to go absolutely flat out game after game after game. There's bound to have been a, a you know an, an element of fatigue there after last weekend, which is you know I'm sure that was a big reason why Klopp gave them those those couple of days off. But um, I actually asked Klopp yesterday about preparation because it's it was so different to Madrid three years ago when Liverpool played Tottenham in the final, where they had a three week gap between the end of the Premier League season and the Champions League final. And he he said that was actually too long because you know he he felt that then players you know lost rhythm and you're you're desperately trying to organise like a a training camp and the friendly they had against Benfica B to try and replicate Spurs' kind of tactical setup and formation. And he said that was actually quite difficult to manage. He he said he's pretty happy it is only six days because he said, you know, that, that gives them enough time to do what they need to do tactically to, to get the players ready. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think on that note, we'll only, we'll only really know come Saturday night, but s- certainly... You know, looking at the watching training and looking at the body language and the way in which they were interacting yesterday, you you certainly didn't. There was no sense there that it was you were feeling like could this be almost a game too far? Klopp actually mentioned Basel back in 2016, where 
you know, he, he said, you know, essentially, I think he described it as Liverpool were running on three wheels by then with like, you know, I think, again, that was a 63-game season. But of course, the, the, the dynamic then was so different because he didn't have the squad he's had, he, he has now where in Basel, you know, there, there was players playing who were nowhere near fit. That, that will be very different this time around. And even when you, when you look back to Kiev, you think, you know, he talked about when, when they lost Salah, you know, I think they had to bring on Adam Lallana, who, you know, very different type of player and someone who hardly kicked a ball for, for I think, the previous month because of injuries. Yet now with the embarrassment of riches he's got, you know, if anything did happen to one of the front three of Diaz, Mane, Salah on Saturday night, you know, you're talking about Jota and, and Firmino waiting in the wings. So, um, you know, I don't think that will play a massive part on the night. Ollie, what do we make of the comments from Salah and Mane on their futures? Did it offer any indication of what might happen to the pair of them next season? Um, it almost, you know, amounted to a no, a no comment. I mean, obviously Salah said he he wouldn't leave this summer. He had no intention of of leaving this summer, which again just sort of increases the um, the sort of urgency around those those contract talks because. I know it's going over old ground in this podcast because we've talked about it before, but if neither of them ends up signing a contract extension this summer, there would be an argument, a financial argument at least, or business argument, for trying to sell them, one of them at least, this this summer rather than being left in a situation where you're at risk of losing both of them on, on free 12 months later. So I don't think it really told us anything new, but it's a it's a concern. It's been a concern all season, really. And I think Liverpool are doing everything they can. And I, I don't think anyone should imagine it's as easy as just sort of handing over whatever um, amount of money is being asked for. But it's it's also complicated when you when you hear of PSG, the enormous sums that they're going to be paying Kylian Mbappe, the enormous sums Manchester City are going to be paying Erling Haaland. It, it changes that market for elite players at a time when two of Liverpool's elite players are entering the final year of their contract. Real Madrid are, are left with, a, you know, having missed out on Mbappe are, and Haaland, it seems, are left with a gap up front. You know, could, could, could they go for one of Salah or, or Mane? It, it's it's a it's a unsettling situation, which I think Liverpool have been right to put to the back of their minds uh, and concentrate on on this remarkable season and, 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 and try and get things sorted out in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Manny's quite right to say, pull that to one side, let's get on with the final and, and sort it out after that. Uh, if Liverpool do win this final, James, they'll look back at the, the story of how they actually got here, not just this season, but the fact that they fought so hard at the back end of last season to get into the Champions League. And that would be truly, truly remarkable. Yeah, I think it, it would certainly, when you're looking back on the, the journey to, to Paris, it, it did start at the Hawthorns, didn't it? That's the I think if Liverpool do triumph in the Stade de France on Saturday night, that or you know that that is where you'll trace it back to because you know when when you think where Liverpool were at then and where they're at now, it's just crazy, isn't it? You know, we've just gone past the the year anniversary of that that Allison header and Liverpool seconds away from drawing against a team that had already been relegated. You know, looked like they were heading for the Europa League and. You know, even even as big as that moment felt at the time, no one no one could have foreseen that it would help kind of launch a season like we've had this time around. Um, you know, a lot of rival fans have said Liverpool have had you know quite a kind route to the final, but I think I think that completely ignores 
you know, that certainly wasn't the sense when the group stage draw was made. You know, Klopp burst out laughing at Kirby. He was saying when when the draw was made because he couldn't believe how how tough it was to you know to have to have AC Milan to have Atletico Madrid, who we know were you know are, are such difficult opponents, and and Porto that had you know weren't far off knocking Chelsea out of the Champions League the previous season. So um, you know, they Liverpool achieved something no English team has ever done before, winning all six group games and. And then you know to go and win in the the San Siro is again when they beat Inter is is no easy feat. So um, yeah, it has been a you know a, a, an unbelievable journey to get there, and you know, just just hope now that they can finish it off because it does feel like Saturday night probably is the difference between this season going down in the history books as a as a great one or as an iconic one because. You know the the streets of Liverpool will undoubtedly be packed on Sunday, regardless for that parade, because hundreds of thousands of people will want to show their appreciation for this this manager and this group of players for the memories they've given them. But you know you want them to have that European Cup on board because there's no getting away from the fact it would be a bit underwhelming if if a team that's been so good for so long did only end up with the two domestic cups to show for it. How would you feel, Ollie? I mean, it will be a city celebrating the outstanding football that we've seen, but if they don't have the European Cup on board, how, how would it feel? Disappointing. A bit deflating because I think the quadruple talk, while it's inevitable and understandable, was it was always a long shot. You know, the Premier League title was always a long shot, but I think it felt, it certainly felt within reach at, at Anfield on, um, uh, for, for at least sort of half an hour or so on... Um, last Sunday. Look, it has been an incredible season. It is an incredible team and it's been shown to be an incredible team over the last four years, really, barring a really poor spell early last year, which was freakish and that was the outlier. We've seen Liverpool just season after season put together incredible results. They are extremely unfortunate that they've come up with a 97-point season and and a 92-point season and not won the league because Manchester City have been one point better. To me, they are they and City. I don't know which order you put them in, but to me, they and City are are are, are, the, are the best teams in Europe and have been for most of that period. And I think they just need to win that second Champions League or win a second Premier League title just to just to underline that, perhaps to the skeptics, but also above all to to themselves, because you don't really want to be in a situation where people are looking back and say, well. They only won one European Cup. They only won one Premier League title. They, you know, yes, they won the league and the uh, the League Cup and the FA Cup. But this team is, without question, a great team. But you don't want people to be saying, "Yeah, but you know, they won the league, the League Cup and the FA Cup. They won nothing the season before." They, you know, to me, it, it's a team that people shouldn't need to see a European Cup on the side, another European Cup, to t- to be persuaded that this is a great team. But I think realistically, I think that would settle the argument. You know, Real Madrid is is a uh, magnificent club, and I'm not surprised that they're in the final. Hopefully, it will be uh, Liverpool's day, but uh, it's it's going to be a very uh, competitive match. Right from there, we're going to go to James's exclusive interview with uh, with Tom Werner, the Liverpool uh, chairman. Of course, Fenway Sports Group uh, bought Liverpool Football Club 12 years ago. Yet you, you sat down. Uh, with Tom, who let's have a little listen to him now, who says he could never have predicted the levels of success that they'd reach within just over a decade, but they did have a focus on the Champions League and what they could actually do in the competition. When we bought it, we were trying to figure out, well, how many years 
can we be in Champions League out of five or ten? You know, how many how many years can we actually make top four? But the the fact that we have been in the finals three of the last what five years just it, it has exceeded our wildest dreams, and yet uh, we're very uh, humble about it because uh, we know how uh, competitive the league is. James, so we we just heard a little bit there from from Tom Werner talking about how they've massively over-exceeded their expectations. Um, how, how did you, you find him when you sat down with him? Yeah, he was, he was good company, yeah. He, um, he wanted to kind of reflect on, you know, just how far the, the club has come in that, you know, what, what will be coming up to, to 12 years later on in the year since they, they completed that takeover. And the contrast is huge, isn't it? When you think the first game of the, the FSG reign was that unbelievably wretched, 2-0 Merseyside derby defeat at Goodison, which left Liverpool only off the bottom of the Premier League table on goal difference. And yeah, he said, you know, to, to imagine then that, you know, be be taking his seat in the Stade de France on Saturday night for a third Champions League final in the space of five seasons is, um, you know, the, the, the stuff of dreams. So um, it's not been a smooth journey by any stretch of the imagination, has it? And um, plenty of bumps along the road, you know, admitting that, you know, FSG would hold their hands up and say they've certainly made mistakes. Um, you know, not least the Super League debacle just over a year ago. But um, yeah, I think they, you know they've also done done a lot of good for the club when you when you look at how things have been transformed, not only on the pitch but off it as well. And and certainly, you know, the the main trigger for everything that's been achieved has been the appointment of Klopp in in 2015 and um, certainly came through from from speaking to him just what an you know an, a huge thing it was for the owners the fact that that Klopp agreed that extension because they were preparing for him to walk away in 2024 and stick to his plan to take a sabbatical so yeah I think it's fair to say that um, well he said they owe a huge debt of gratitude to Ula uh, Klopp's wife for um, for convincing him to to stick around for a bit longer because I think Tom Werner probably probably said the words that every Liverpool fan would agree with that nobody nobody wants to think of the day that's going to come at some point in the future when Jurgen Klopp is no longer Liverpool manager. Well, let's hear from Tom Werner now on the qualities that the Liverpool manager possesses. Obviously, I have been privileged to uh, see up close the job that Jurgen has done, but. I think that it ranks certainly as one of the, the great uh, achievements of the club. I um, told somebody recently that I was at Fenway Park and was chatting with the CEO of, of Siemens, the German technology company. He's German, and so I was talking to him about the talents of Jürgen. And Jürgen would be a brilliant CEO wherever he landed. And what I find about him is that he's obviously a great strategist, and handles the the player so well but his personality is just so um, warm and embracing and he's kind and he's got a keen sense of humor and he's humble and he's uh, got a perspective about football which is really quite special you know it's obviously critically important to our our fans and to you and to me and to everybody who follows football but he, he is able to put it in perspective. You know, we live in a very complex world and we've all had to deal with the ravages of COVID and what's going on um, in the Ukraine. And, and you know, Jurgen has just been able to put football in, in perspective. And it's uh, a joy 
to know him. And, uh, and I, I do want to also give some credit to his wife, Eula, who I think was very helpful in, in suggesting that Jurgen extend his uh, tenure at Liverpool because uh, it's wonderful that he's uh, going to be with us for a few more years. So a brilliant piece on The Athletic right now, exclusive interview, James talking with Tom Werner on a variety of subjects, Luis Diaz, all sorts of in there, well worth looking at. Just to continue on the Jurgen Klopp theme, and um, and Jurgen presented with the Manager of the Year Award by the League Managers Association just a couple of days ago, Ollie, given to him by Sir Alex Ferguson. The pair clearly showing great mutual respect, a little bit of a gag in there as well as Fergie tried to, to walk off before the photo. Was it a gag? <laughs> I don't know. Was I, it? I, I wasn't sure. I, I saw the footage of, of of Klopp sort of bringing him back in for the for the photo. It was uh, it was uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought I wasn't sure whether it was it was a joke or whether he was being humble and not wanting to be in the in the picture. Uh, no, Ferguson has always spoken very highly of of Klopp, and I'm sure he must just wish that Manchester United had, had managed to get him back in. 2013 or 2014, when they when they were looking for a new manager, you think how different the last um, decade might have been for both <laughs> Liverpool and Manchester United if that had been the case. So, yeah, I mean, a worthy manager, you know, worthy recipient of Manager of the Year. There will be people who will say, well, they finished second in the league, they they've won the two lesser cups, but if they win the Champions League, on top of getting 92 points, on top of getting w- winning the other two cups, that is an incredible season and. Yes, he's got a great group of players, but they are a great group of players which has been pushed to the absolute maximum by Klopp. I would not play down Pep Guardiola's performance and achievement either. I think he's an absolutely wonderful coach and manager, but I think Klopp's season has been absolutely remarkable, particularly from the depths of last season and from a position where I don't think going into the season many people felt it was going to be quite this good. I think you know there's always that giddy preseason optimism among some but I don't think many people were thinking 92 points two cups and a Champions League final against Real Madrid I think that was I think they this is a team that has performed well beyond expectations James it's, it's hard to look past Jurgen for that award isn't it yeah yeah Fred I completely agree with what Ollie said I think you know people will people will snipe and and say well you know it's ridiculous he didn't didn't win the Premier League what about Guardiola but yeah, when you take a step back and look at what this Liverpool team has done this season, as Ollie said, from from where they were at the back end of last season, you know there would have been would have been no title race without Liverpool. It would have been a procession. It wouldn't you know English football would have turned into the Bundesliga for the last five years. To be honest, without what Klopp has done at Liverpool, so um, I think for the brand of football, the way in which they've entertained as well, the, the glory they've had, the ability to to juggle his resources so unbelievably well. To maintain that challenge on four fronts, you know, for for so so long, yeah, certainly they they couldn't have picked a better winner for me. Guys, loved your company. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Ollie and James. Don't forget you can read all their stuff from Paris uh, over the weekend and next week as well. Hopefully, positive stuff. And a quick reminder: if you don't already subscri- subscribe to the Athletic, you can read all the articles on Liverpool. If you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool Pod, pound a month for six months. That's a special price right now. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Enjoy the European Cup final, the Champions League final, and we'll see you after the weekend. <laughs>